0: Gargoyles. I hardly notice them anymore. Gargoyles are a part of your life when you've spent your entire career in the criminal courts. The creatures you see leering out at you from the Halifax Courthouse on Spring Garden Road are technically known as grotesques, fang bearing faces that were set in stone when the building was constructed in 1863. A plaque on the building describes the vermiculated stonework. It looks as if worms tunneled through it. I'm not surprised. Thursday, March 1st, 1990, was a typical day at the courthouse. I had managed to get my client off unexpectedly at the conclusion of a three-day trial on charges of assault, extortion, and uttering threats against his old girlfriend's new boyfriend. His gratitude lay unspoken between us. He swaggered from the building, trailed by three teenage girls in leggings and stiletto heels. "'Congratulations on the acquittal, Monty!' I turned at the sound of a voice as I was leaving the courthouse and saw our articled clerk coming out behind me. Petite, sharp faced, and keen, Robin Reed wore a lawyerly black suit that looked too big on her. I nodded absently in response. Though I have to say, she went on, I didn't think much of the judge's remarks about our client.
1: Well, Mr. Brophy, you're free to go. The system worked. If I see you in my courtroom again, you may not find the system so benign. What kind of attitude is that to take to a man he just declared not guilty?
0: It's the attitude of a judge who knows I outlawed the prosecution and knows he'd be overturned on appeal if he convicted my client. Robin and I left the courthouse and crossed Spring Garden Road to the city library, where someone had built a snow fort around the statue of a striding, heavily masculine Winston Churchill. I was on a hopeless quest for a children's book with a character named Normie. My wife and I, in the afterglow of a magnificent performance of Norma at La Scala, had named our baby Norma after the noble druid at the center of the opera. With sober second thought, neither of us liked the name for anyone under 40. The best we could do was Normie after that. Now seven, and wondering why she wasn't named Megan like everybody else, she had looked askance at my brave assertion that there were lots of Normies in the world. She issued a demand.
1: Find me a book with somebody named Normie in it. It can be an animal, it can even be a bug. But,
0: she warned darkly, it better not be a boy. I was met with a sympathetic shake of the head yet again at the children's desk. As we left the library, Robin returned to the acquittal of our client, Corey Brophy.
1: But Corey didn't do it, Monty. You demolished the crown witnesses on
0: cross-examination. Their stories fell apart. I looked at her with surprise. Of course he did it. You haven't seen the file and you've never met the client. But that's over and done. Now, tomorrow we have- Well, I spoke too soon. Looks as if you're going to meet Corey after all. Robin turned to follow my gaze across the street and saw my newly released client being manhandled by two police officers in the driveway of the courthouse. He twisted around and caught sight of me. ''Are you just gonna stand there, Collins? You're my lawyer, for fuck's sake. Get over here!'' I sighed and crossed the street. Short, skinny, and scabious, with a patchy goatee, Corey was the picture of belligerence. ''What's going on, Frank?'' I asked one of the cops. ''Mr. Brophy is under arrest for assaulting his ex-girlfriend.'' ''Corey, give me a call after you're processed,'' I told him. ''In the meantime, keep your mouth shut. No statements?'' The other cop bundled him into the cruiser for the trip to the station. This must be a record for you, Monty, Frank remarked. Your client reoffending. allegedly reoffending. what is it, 25 minutes after he was released? I didn't tell him. My record was a guy reoffending 25 seconds after his release. He had been overheard threatening one of the witnesses before he even left the courtroom.